years ago, our family had a uh, dining room table and chairs that someone had given to us. Not necessarily our style per se, but it worked. It was fine. Uh, it was great. It worked for a while anyway. Uh, the chairs were kind of high back numbers, you know, you've seen that. And they had the caning in the back that was all kind of meshy and all that stuff and, and everything. And that was, that was great, except, as you know, we have a couple of cats. So uh, the cats uh, assumed that we had installed a very elaborate cat tower with multiple locations for them to uh, make sure that their claws were nice and ready to go. And um, so long story short, we needed new dining room chairs. So we didn't just have any uh, dining room chair money laying around at that time. We didn't have uh, a, a couple of nickels, well, maybe we had a couple of nickels to rub together, but, but, but it wasn't just something we were going to go out and, and, and get, and we wanted to get something good, and so we, we started saving, and, and, and we put aside a little bit every month. I mean, some months it was very little bit, knowing that eventually we'd be able to replace those chairs. It wasn't like uh, top of mind and, and uh, this, this huge emergency or anything, so we just we, we saved up, and so we'd, we'd, uh, uh, each month we'd, we'd pull out the envelope, and we'd stick some, some money in there that we'd set aside, and... and uh, we count the total of how much we had, and it wasn't fast, but we made progress, and uh, it, it took longer than you might think that it would take, but eventually we purchased uh, brand new black leather uh, chairs for the dining room, which the cats have put holes in all over the place because they're black leather chairs, so that was maybe not the wisest choice. We'll have to get another envelope, I think. But uh, anyway, uh, we, we had a goal. We made progress toward the goal. And we've done that same type of thing many times with a whole lot of things. And you probably have too. Uh, whether it's in envelopes or maybe it's in your bank account or, or maybe it's your 401k or other investments, you purposely invest in something that's going to pay off long term. Uh, you, you gauge your progress along the way. Uh, for us, it was physically counting cash in an envelope. Uh, you might log on to your bank account or, or you might get a, a, an annual or a quarterly report of your investments and, and see the progress that you're making. Um, you're, you're, you're looking at that to see if the investments that you're putting in are paying off and, uh, and so you're making progress. So that is on my mind because I'm wondering What if we all received annual statements from heaven indicating the spiritual progress that we're making? What would your, what would your statement look like? You don't have to uh, share. We want to, we're not going to swap statements this morning. Uh, would, would, would there be a gain or a loss? Maybe the question is better asked this way. What have you intentionally been doing? What investments have you been making? in order to make spiritual progress in your life. Now, I, I know that growth as a follower of God, uh, progress in your relationship with God is, is not the easiest thing to measure necessarily, right? Uh, it, it's, e- it's pretty easy to measure whether there's more cash in the envelope this month or not. Uh, it's, it's easy to, to compare the balance at the bottom line of your statement, whether it's more or less than the year previous, but whether it's easy to measure or not, God is still interested in, in us making progress spiritually, not declining, but, but growing closer to him. And, and as we continue to study the book of Philippians here, we're, we're going to see that, 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 that progress, growing spiritually, is, uh, is linked to our joy 
in life. We, we just started studying this book last week, uh, Philippians. Uh, it's just this four-chapter book uh, right in the middle of the, uh, the New Testament. It's, it's actually a letter uh, that the Apostle Paul wrote to the, uh, the church that he started in the thriving Roman city of Philippi. And uh, last week we saw that church was made up of, of a widely diverse population, right? We had Lydia, the uh, textile entrepreneur. Uh, we had the slave girl who literally had, had uh, nothing and no one. We had the, uh, the jailer and his family uh, kind of maybe socioeconomically right in the middle of those two. Uh, wide diversity of, of people. And, and those people we saw were precious to Paul. He, uh, he, he, he thanked God every time he remembered them. He, he prayed for them. They brought him joy. And, and today we're going to keep going in, uh, into chapter one, starting in verse nine. And, uh, and, and Paul is, is letting these friends know, uh, some of what he's actually praying. So he says, I, I'm praying for you. And then he actually says, this is what I'm praying for you. And so in doing that, we see that if he's praying those things, and those things must be important, and therefore maybe those things should be part of our lives, and we should do what we can to do that. And one big thing that he's praying about, I guess if we could summarize it in those verses we're going to read in just a second, it's all about spiritual progress in order that these, uh, these friends of his in this church in Philippi could experience uh, the abundant, joy-filled life that God's designed for them. So we get an awesome peek into the prayer life of the Apostle Paul uh, here in, in Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. It not only gives us a pattern to follow as we pray for others, boy, we could pray for, for, for other people too, we also see uh, how we could be praying for ourselves in order to make spiritual progress in our own lives. Philippians chapter, nine, uh, chapter 1, verses 9, 10, and 11, Paul writes this to the church in Philippi, and this is my prayer. This is how I'm praying for you, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. It's literally just one sentence three verses, and yet there is a whole lot encapsulated in there. When Paul says, this is my prayer, he is praying a lot of stuff for these folks. I, I don't know, before we get into all that, um, if, if you've ever struggled with prayer, and I'm sure that's none of you, it's probably just me, but uh, if you've ever struggled, well, how do I pray, what do I pray? Uh, a, a great way to, uh, uh, to, to pray is to pray some of the prayers that are in the Bible. You, you won't go wrong if you, if you pull out, uh, you know, several different places. As Paul's writing his letters, he's, he, he actually prays through the, you could actually use those, and this is one of those places. You're not going to go wrong if you're praying that your, your love will abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Uh, you're praying that you can discern what is, what is best. Uh, you're praying that you can be pure and blameless uh, till the day of Christ. Uh, we can, we can, that, that, that doesn't really, we're, we're going to dive in and unpack this whole thing, but, but just looking at it, if, if you're struggling with how to pray, this, is, this and other prayers like it in Scripture could be, you just steal their, it's okay, it still counts, you're allowed, it's okay. You can steal their words and make them your own, and, uh, and it's a great way to, uh, to develop in our, uh, in our prayer lives. Well, let's, let's dig into it. Boy, Paul said, this is my prayer, this is what I'm praying for you. I thank my God every time I remember you. Uh, Lydia, slave girl, I'm sure he knew her name, we just don't know it. Um, uh, jailer, I'm sure they, he knew his name and, and their family and all the other people that came into the church. He's, he says, I'm, I'm praying for, this is what I'm praying, that you will abound more and more, making progress. You'll, you'll 
make progress, you'll abound more. And no matter, no matter where you are spiritually in your spiritual journey today, there's always more progress you can make. Now that could be a depressing thought. Oh, I'm never going to get there. It doesn't matter what I do. I'm always, there's always more to do. To, to me, it's a liberating thought. I, there's always more of God to know. There, there's more, more of God to experience. I can experience his grace again tomorrow. I can experience his love. I can go deeper and deeper. Uh, it shouldn't ever be boring or dull. If it's boring and dull, uh, if the adventure has come to a halt, then, then something's wrong and, and that's a red flag. And we, we, Paul is praying we need to be abounding more and more. And what's supposed to be abounding? Our love. Abound, uh, that your love will abound more and more. You'll be developing. You'll, you'll be making progress in love. Now, he's not talking about romantic love. Maybe some of you would like to make progress in your romantic situation. I, I, that's a whole other sermon. Maybe that's a, a youth group lesson. I don't know. We're not going to get into that today. It's not romantic love. What Paul is talking about here is that his, uh, his friends in, in Philippi would uh, abound more and more in their love for God and their love for each other. That their, their depth of relationship, their, their unity, their love would abound more and more, would grow, continue to grow. Of course, love is talked about all over the Bible. Uh, one, one great place is in uh, the Gospel of John, chapters uh, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Jesus is uh, gathered with the disciples in the upper room, and they're, they're, he's giving instructions, and he's praying for them. And, and uh, part of that, uh, as he's um, uh, talking to them and saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to be gone, and, and you need to do this. And, and in John 13, uh, verse 34 and 35, he says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So he said that. Later, Paul writes the same thing. You need to abound more and more in, in your love. Uh, Jesus didn't say that everyone will know you are my disciples, if you attend church every Sunday or if you log into the live stream. He didn't, I mean, I'm not discouraging. I'm just saying that he didn't, he didn't say that. He, he didn't say that the world will know that you're following him if you give a bunch of money to help the poor or you go on mission trips or you sing holy songs. Again, all those things, great things, good things, but that's just not what he said here. Uh, more important uh, uh, things are, are going on here. Everyone, everyone won't know that you are disciples of God simply because of the list of things that you're against or what you don't do, right? Uh, it, certainly, God uh, it doesn't, it, it, certainly it doesn't draw people to God if you're vocal and adamant on social media about your opinions as being right and everybody else's. It's not, Jesus didn't talk about it. He said the distinguishing characteristic of being a follower of his, the one thing that sets us apart above everything else, that everyone will know that we're his disciples. There's one thing, and that is how we love. Jesus prayed for it. Paul prayed for it. Uh, we need to make making progress in. We need to be maturing, becoming better and better, abounding more and more as being people who love. So that probably means less judgment and more love, less gossip and more love, less grudges and more love, less bitterness and resentment and more love, less avoidance and more love. Paul prayed that their love would abound more, that they would be making progress, that, that great, you're, you're loving today, do more tomorrow. Uh, you're loving tomorrow, do even more next week. Uh, love over and over and over. Grow in this love. 
okay, that's great, uh, but we need to recognize what, what, this, what this love is and, and what it looks like a little bit. Paul's not talking about an emotion of love. Uh, it's a second-hand emotion, right? Isn't that? That's a song, right? Yeah. Sorry, that's not in my notes. That was free. Um, yeah, anyway. Um, he's not talking about uh, the emotion of love. He says that our love, he wants our love to abound in knowledge and depth of insight. Uh, maybe two words that we don't necessarily think about when we think about love. Love is kind of this warm and fuzzy, oh, I feel this and I've got goosebumps and all the things. Knowledge and depth of insight seems a lot more, you know, cerebral, uh, up in your head, uh, those kind of... But basically, the more I know about God, the more I love him. The more I know and experience and dive deep into a relationship with God, love develops in me. We, we need to be uh, developing, growing, abounding more and more in this, in this love of, of God and love for God and for others in knowledge and depth of insight. I hope that you are, you are a lifelong learner. I hope you haven't come to the place in your life where you're satisfied with what you know and, you know, I've, I've kind of got everything pretty much uh, uh, done and uh, figured out and I'm just there. Uh, I, I know what I like and I like what I know and, and, I, and I hope that you're continuing to be open and, and you have a learning heart and, and a learning mind and you're seeking to know more and more and you're humbly searching truth and all those things. The, the person that, that comes to my mind the most when I think about somebody like that is my dad. <laughs> He, he was always learning something. And he, well, he, he knew more than, than uh, most folks that I, that I, just one example. My, before my parents went on a trip to Italy back in the day, my dad decided, you know, I don't want to just be wandering around uh, uh, all these Italian towns and not even know how to get to the bathroom, right? So uh, maybe I need to learn Italian before I go. He, he audited two semesters of Italian before they went to Italy. Uh, that also says that, that they planned this trip well in advance, which was also a characteristic of my father. But uh, he, he had the time to, to audit two semesters of Italian just so he would, uh, uh, just so he would not be lost and, and, uh, and could make his way around when they, when they went to Italy. He took uh, creative writing classes, and then he wrote a couple of children's books for the grandkids. He, uh, after, his, uh, after he passed away on his computer, we found a, a folder with ideas for a novel. Um, he, was, he was always learning uh, more and more, and, and, and that was also true in his spiritual life. He was always uh, reading, searching, uh, growing, uh, spending time with God, all, all those things. Paul prayed that the Philippians' love would not grow in feeling, but would grow in knowledge. That we would be striving to know God and, uh, and, and the spiritual truths and uh, that we would know each other more and more. And along with knowledge, he prayed for depth of insight. Knowledge and depth of insight. Kind of going to, maybe, maybe this helps to, to play that out. I, I think a lot of people are like the farmer who's sitting on his front porch rocking on a, on a summer afternoon in the rocking chair and a, and a traveling agricultural product salesman drives up, uh, parks down the lane, walks up, uh, comes up the, the front walk, opens up the, the, the gate where the, the man is sitting, the farmer's sitting on his porch and rocking in his chair and the, and the salesman starts his pitch even as he's coming in the gate and he says, sir, you need to purchase this book for me. It'll tell you how to increase your knowledge of modern farming techniques by more than 500%. And without changing the rhythm in his rocking chair, the farmer said, son, I don't really need that book. 
I'm already doing 500% less than I know about farming, he says. And I wonder that a whole lot of us know a whole lot of spiritual stuff, but we're not necessarily putting it into practice. We're not necessarily doing it, right? Yeah, oh, I know that. Oh, I know that. Yeah, knowledge and depth of insight. We're not necessarily applying it to our lives. Yeah, we know that. It's knowledge, but it's not been, uh, it's not come to the place of an aha moment, this depth of insight. Knowledge and depth, uh, knowledge, that's, uh, knowing is good, but but then this depth of insight has to do with uh, what to do about the knowing, right? Knowledge tells us what, insight tells us how and why that's important. Kind of like the, the, the factory that uh, uh, was, one day came to a grinding halt and all the machines stopped moving and the conveyors stopped conveying and the, the technicians and the managers were scampering all over trying to get things up and running. They couldn't figure out what was going on. And finally, the, the manager admitted that he didn't know uh, how to solve this. And so he called uh, the consultant, uh, frantically called him up. Uh, the consultant showed up that afternoon and, and looked over everything and crawled in here and did all that and finally went into the uh, the, the basement in this little room and... and um, open up this little uh, uh, panel and uh, press the button. And all of a sudden, everything kind of came back to life again and everything was back online and, and uh, it was great. And they shook hands with the consultant and that was great. And, and uh, he said, I'll, I'll send you my bill. And sure enough, at the beginning of the next week, there was a, there was a bill that, that showed up uh, on, the, on the box or on the, uh, the, uh, the desk of the manager for, uh, for $5,000. He'd been there for about 20 minutes, and he's charging 5000 Well, the, the manager was kind of incensed by twenty $5,000 for 20 I wish I made $5,000 in 20 minutes. And, and so he sent off this rather brisk email back to the guy and said, what the, you need to break down your expenses here in order to justify $5,000 for 20 minutes. All you did was press a, press a little button. Well, the, shortly the email came back. The consultant wrote, pushing the button, $1.00. Knowing which button to push, $4,999. Knowledge and depth of insight. Both are important in our relationship with God as we make spiritual progress. So how do we develop that? Uh, May your love be abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Well, uh, We've got to be spending time in scripture, right? To learn more about God and more about uh, life in the kingdom of God. We develop that as we ask God to kind of inspire, turn the lights on, so to speak, as we're reading scripture and, and we're studying his word. That we're, 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 spending, we're not just reading for information, we're reading for transformation, right? We're allowing God to, to change us even as we, we study scripture. We, we, we come to services like this, we, we, uh, we go to, to classes and Bible studies and groups and, and, and gather and we share perspectives and, and we get knowledge and depth of insight as God moves and works in our lives. Uh, obviously, so many resources these days. Um, again, we have so much at our fingertips, so much that we even know personally, but we've got to put it into practice. We've got to have that knowledge and depth of insight. What a, what a great time at the beginning of a new year to kind of do the reset and say, well, what am I doing? How am I investing in my relationship with God so that my love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight? But, but Paul doesn't just stop there. That's only partway through the verse, through this passage. Uh, he, he says that there's a purpose for growing, for maturing, for developing in this knowledge and, and depth of insight. 
Uh, it, we, we're, when we put money in an envelope, we, uh, we had a purpose, we had a goal. We needed those new chairs. When you're investing in your mutual funds, the, the goal is to have enough to retire when you reach retirement. The, the, the investments are made for a purpose. So what's the spiritual purpose as we grow in love and, and we gain more and more knowledge and depth of insight? I guess I'd describe it as progress toward holiness. Paul used, uh, the words Paul used in his prayer is that these friends, these, these uh, deep relationships, these people, they would be pure and blameless, it says. The word used for pure that, that Paul uses here could actually be translated tested by sunlight. Uh, in, in those days, uh, they, they didn't have cardboard boxes. They had uh, pottery, right? And pottery of all shapes and sizes and, and, uh, and, and, uh, Many people, they would, they would maybe have a pot and maybe it broke, but uh, they didn't want to just start over again, and so they would put that pot back, maybe it would have a crack. Uh, they would, they would uh, put uh, wax in those cracks and then try to sell it as a pure, uh, perfect pot. Uh, the, the, a savvy consumer, however, would make sure that the, that the pot was pure and not cracked by setting it out in the sun. And as the sun shone on it, the heat from the sun would melt the wax and expose the cracks. It was pure. It was tested by sunlight. The truth is we all have cracks in our lives, right? And, and making spiritual progress isn't just about uh, the, the patching up of, of those, uh, those broken places in our lives with quick fixes or, or with material things. Uh, you know, human self-help improvements can help some, but, but it just doesn't go all the way. It's kind of like uh, uh, trying to fix pot, uh, cracked pot with, with wax. It's just not going to last. Truly being pure and blameless takes time and effort uh, on our part, investing in and knowing God and loving him more. He has loved us. We've got to invest in getting to know him, of understanding, of, of, uh, of finding out who he is and how, how he wants to develop us more and more. He is the one that makes us pure and blameless as we seek him with all of our hearts. This passage goes on to say that that takes discernment. We have to figure out what's best what will lead to purity and holiness in our lives. We have to evaluate what to hold on to uh, in our lives that are gonna help us make spiritual progress and what to let go of that's, that's hindering our spiritual progress. Uh, several years ago now, we, we moved across town. Uh, there's nothing like moving that will help you discern what you should hang on to and what you should let go of. I'll just, just tell you this right now. This is a, a deep spiritual truth that I learned. If, uh, if, if you've not opened the box for 11 years, you can probably do without it. I just, that's just truth. I'm just letting you know that. Um, whether you're moving or not, periodically it's good to just go through things, right? Uh, physically in our, in our lives, determining what we need, what we don't, what's helping, what's not. Uh, uh, something uh, might still have life left in it, but, and it's not bad, it's just not best for us right now. And, and uh, same is true, we need to have that discernment in our spiritual lives. As we get rid of the junk and we hold on to or we invest in what's best. And that's what will lead us toward purity, holiness, Righteousness. So 
If we're looking at, uh, Paul prayed for these people, he's praying for us as an extension of the church, the body of Christ. He, he prays that, that, that our love would abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Uh, he, he prays that, that, uh, that, that we'll make progress toward holiness, that we'll be pure and blameless as we discern what to, uh, what to hang on. We, we're investing our lives into certain things. Uh, what are the things, what are the lifestyle choices that, that, that you're making that are, that are contributing to your spiritual life? But the, the flip side, of that question is just as important. What are the things that you're filling your life with that are pulling you away from or detracting from your spiritual progress? Kind of like, uh, okay, I can, I can put all this money into the envelope and we'll get to the, the chairs quicker. Or, yeah, you know what? I could put some over here and some over here and I could spend it on this. And pretty soon there's not much left to go toward uh, the, the progress that I'm trying to to make what what are the things i mean it could be a relationship that's that's pulling you away uh maybe you need to pull back on on a relationship that's dragging you away from god maybe it's it's what you uh what you read or or uh, how you entertain yourself or or um an addiction it could be what you say what you listen to you might not be involved in anything evil or criminal but it's uh it's it's not best it's not helping you abound more and more. As we're discerning uh, this, this life and, and how we can grow in our relationship, how we can make spiritual progress, that's a, that's a great filter to look at. Our discernment is, is this helping me abound in love? Holiness involves discerning or filtering what comes into our lives and only keeping the best, only keeping what is uh, most likely to give the greatest return, the, what will make me holy. And that's uh, what, what Paul talks about when he says that it's going to bring the fruit of righteousness. Man, this, he, just, he just keeps on going. One sentence, he's, he's just continuing. We're going to develop, as we're pure and blameless, we're going to develop this fruit of righteousness. Now, the middle of January is not the time to talk about gardening, uh, but you've, uh, uh, many of you probably have gardens. You've probably had a lot better luck with gardens than, than I have, but I've taken a, we've taken a stab at it from time to time. You've probably at least had a tomato plant at once in your life. Uh, maybe not. That's fine. You've probably seen one. Uh, so, so you can, you can kind of figure this out. There's, there's preparation that goes into a garden, right? And, and, uh, you, you, you till it up and, and you dig and, and you get rid of, uh, you just prepare the, 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 the soil and then you fertilize and, and then there's sweat involved and there's hard work involved and you water and you, you, uh, the, the rains come and the, the, the sun shines and, and you've got a weed and then you've got to go and weed and then, uh, 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 uh day later you got to go out and weed some more and you got to keep keep you got to work this whole thing but but as over the course of the summer there's growth that takes place and and after enough time you get to enjoy the fruit of your labor right there's there's fruit that comes because because you've taken the time to do the work of of getting ready for that to the whole reason that you went to all the trouble to invest in that garden is so that it would produce i mean that's what we call it right produce uh, Paul told his dear friends in this letter that, that, that he's praying uh, that they would ultimately produce fruit. What kind of fruit? The fruit of righteousness. It comes at a price, the price of discernment, uh, a careful time and attention to, to God and his word, knowing and loving God more, weeding out evil influences, becoming more and more pure and holy, but it develops that righteousness that God desires for us. It's, it's progress toward holiness. Oswald Chambers put it this way, the destined end of humanity is not happiness or health, but holiness. 
Today we have far too many desires and interests and our lives are being consumed and wasted by them. Many of them may be right, noble, and good and may later be fulfilled, but in the meantime, God must cause their importance to us to decrease. The only thing that truly matters is whether a person will accept the God who will make him holy. Progress toward holiness. Well, if if that's not enough for you, Paul also says that there's a big reason why we would go to all the trouble to do this. It's not just so that we can have fulfilled lives, so we can be blessed, so that we can have, have a great life. It's not completely, we will be blessed. And, and it is a, a great, wonderful, abundant life producing the uh, holy life that God desires. But Paul says in this prayer that, uh, that all of this is so that it will bring glory to God. Maybe you've uh, heard years ago the Westminster Catechism took the task of of defining uh, the ultimate purpose of life for humanity. And they said, if you boil it all down, the chief end of man, the, the whole purpose of humanity is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. The purpose of your spiritual progress isn't just so that you can be this holy, wonderful trophy that, that everybody looks at and says, ooh, how shiny and wonderful. The purpose is as you're abounding in love more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, you're using discernment to, uh, to, to develop what is pure and blameless and, and produce God's righteousness. Uh, all of this is so that God gets the glory, that everyone, everyone puts their hope and faith in him. In his uh, younger days as a composer, Franz Joseph Haydn was criticized for his lighthearted nature of his church music. Uh, it was a somber time in the in the church, most churches back then in the middle 1700s, and uh, you know all this uh, pomp, and you got to have a, a you know scowl on your face as you're singing praise to Jesus, right? And but but Haydn came into there and he said it this way: I cannot help it. I give forth what is in me. When I think of the divine being, my heart is so full of joy that the notes fly off as from a spindle. And as I have a cheerful heart, he will pardon me if I serve him cheerfully. Well, when Haydn neared the end of his life, uh, he was uh, confined to a wheelchair, but shortly before he died, he attended uh, the Vienna Music Hall where they were performing his oratorio called The Creation. And at one point in that piece, uh, after several minutes of, of quiet music, then the orchestra and the choir loudly proclaim, let there be light. And it's this big, uh, big uh, crescendo of, uh, uh, of, of uh, uh, a uh, uh, dramatic time in the, in the piece. And, and at that night, toward the end of Haydn's life in the, uh, the Vienna Music Hall, that portion of the, of the music was reached and the chorus and the instruments burst forth with such power. The crowd couldn't restrain its enthusiasm and they rose in spontaneous applause. And Franz Joseph Haydn struggled to his feet and he motioned for silence. And then he said in his weakened voice, not me, and he pointed to heaven. Then he fell back into his wheelchair. With, with his life, with his gifts, with all that he was, Franz Joseph Haydn gave glory to Almighty God. And he gave him joy in doing it. Paul, in this one sentence, three verses, Philippians 1, 9 through 11, tells his dear friends in Philippi, And in essence, uh, as we are part of the church that they were part of, he tells us that that we should be uh, 
growing in love, abounding more and more in love. Not an emotional love, but, but uh, a, a love that's, that's developed through knowledge and depth of insight. We should be making progress toward holiness, not just satisfied with where we are, but constantly moving and growing, abounding in love, discerning what is best, letting go of the rest, investing in our spiritual life. It's a life of deep joy. It's a life of abundance, but that's not the point. That's just a byproduct. The point is that we would bring praise and glory to Almighty God. 